Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. That's the trifecta of the construction business. We all want that, right? Well, after working and talking with hundreds of builders and remodelers over the past two years, BuildBook has discovered the one common ingredient that determines the success of your construction business, the client experience. Yes, if you drop the ball anywhere in the client experience from the first impression to the final payment, things get super messy super quickly. BuildBook has spent the past several months developing the first-of-its-kind platform that focuses on helping you deliver throughout the client journey the one thing standing between you and achieving the trifecta of construction. It starts with marketing tools to attract the right leads, add in sales tools so you can win the best projects, and finish with project tools that knock your client's socks off. If you're looking for an unfair advantage in your business, this is it. Head on over to buildbook.co now to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio and another edition of Expert Interviews. This is episode 117 with Brian Barrett. And I actually got connected with Brian through a past guest here on Builder Funnel Radio, Pierrette Tierney. You may remember that episode. It was actually one of our more popular episodes. If you didn't listen to it, I'd highly recommend it. She's part of an amazing team. They're doing some really progressive stuff. Definitely, definitely recommend that. But in this conversation with Brian, the reason we got introduced is he's doing some super cool things over at Automated Digital, and they provide a cool plugin technology that basically develops online advertising solutions to increase the performance of your ads at scale. Pretty cool stuff. It's it's definitely a little more advanced in terms of you know the tech and the advertising world. So hopefully it'll expand your mind. And then we also talked just about virtual tours and VR and you know kind of just where technology is going in the building space. So really fun conversation. Brian's a super knowledgeable guy. And anytime you get two digital marketers together, always a good time kind of pushing the envelope, seeing where the future might lie. So hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, this is with Brian Barrett here on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey, Brian, glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited because today we're going to talk about some things that I think the industry is still not adopted enough of and and gotten involved with. But uh, I guess before we get too deep in the weeds, I'm always curious, how did you kind of get wrapped up in the whole construction space? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I never had any intent or history being in home builder world or development world. Out of graduate school, I got tied in with uh, a builder who had like a leadership rotation program. And uh, at the time, they needed some marketing help at the corporate office. So that's kind of where I landed, had some aptitude for it and interest in it. And that's where I stayed. So worked on the builder side for a handful of years and then transitioned to the agency side. Gotcha. Cool. And so, yeah, how long you been doing the agency thing? Specifically on the agency side, about six years. Right on. Yeah. 
And um, I, I guess as we dive into marketing, like that's a fast moving industry. I feel like there's always a lot that's changing, especially now that digital is so prominent. But what are you getting excited about right now with, uh, with things in the digital space? Early on, it was making the case for digital in and of itself. And now <laughs> I you know, that. It's, <laughs> for, it's a foregone conclusion for the most part. I guess the coolest part is actually getting down into the optimization realm and then also the automation realm. So taking some of those routine tasks and automating them on the advertising front or email marketing front, and then also just you know traditional lead uh, optimization and website optimization, advertising optimization. Seems like uh, a lot of our customers are starting to see that that's where the big lifts can be had. So maybe for people listening, what do you... What would be an example of something like that where you're talking about like advertising automation? Yeah, it sounds pretty fancy. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, for those of us who have worked with an agency or created, for example, a display ad, you know, just the process of creating a display ad, first of all, you got to create, you know, six sizes or something like that. That's not a lot of heavy lifting, but actually the process of picture advertising a community that's in Atlanta, Georgia. You got to find the images, you got to find the from pricing, you got to find the text you want to put, and then you give the asset to a designer, they go through their iterations, then there's a review process. You know, that's not really value-added time. It's just creating a routine thing. On the automation front, one of the things we've done is develop an automation suite. So using feed data, we can pipe that feed data into ad templates. So in real time or once a day, we can create basically every iteration of display or search or Facebook ads that dynamically create for communities, plans, or moving ready homes. So what it allows us to do is move from the rote task of creating ads into getting those ads into market very quickly so we can spend time doing more value-added stuff like strategy, targeting, optimization, and such. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so, you know, for people that haven't done a ton in the advertising space, like how... Is there a minimum threshold where you kind of need to be spending like either X amount of dollars or you're running a certain number of campaigns where like the automation starts to become a true value add versus, oh, I'm just kind of like doing a couple of campaigns. So it's like going through that, that process doesn't make sense. <laughs> so a couple of things, I guess just initially on the advertising front, there tends to be, you know, digital's by definition, super agile. Mm-hmm. And you can scale it and be very specific and targeted. But there's this inclination, which we have to coach on, is yes, digital can it is all those things. But also, you, there's a, a tendency to spread too thinly. So, for example, it's really easy to say, yeah, we're, let's target within a five-mile radius of a community or a product or whatever. But, you know, let's, let's expand it to like, since we can really easy, let's spend it 20 miles out or 40 miles out. But we routinely provide numbers back and say, yeah, we sure can, but now you're, you're spread way too thinly, so you're not going to get enough volume at all to you know, get enough clicks or enough quality clicks or people to your website. So that's the first thing on the ad spend front. And then on the automation front, uh, at least how our model's priced, is it's all based, it's all variable. So if you have one community or 400 communities, it's all based on the community count. So in every use case, it saves creative time, it saves internal review and QA time, et cetera. So there's value irrespective of how big you are. But on the ad budget side, that's where you know there needs to be some you know rein people in and 
really be effective with the the ad spend. Yeah, it, it feels like too, some of these platforms, like you've got to at least be spending a chunk for like the platforms to do their self-optimization, like mm-hmm. run enough data through like the campaigns to actually get some, you know, we like to in marketing talk about A-B tests and split testing and all these things. But if you don't test with enough data, then you're just making bad decisions. Do you find that's the case or you know, like, how do you approach just that perspective of letting enough data go through some of these before you start making decisions like that? The hardest part is setting the expectations first on one is like the duration of the test because a a test to be statistically significant could take a day or it could take, you know, six weeks. And some of it has to certainly do with the more volume you pipe through it. It tends to go, tests seem to net out and find winners more quickly. But like you mentioned, take like Google AdWords, for example, you know, there's a lot of native they call it testing, but it's more, it's more of they can help you figure out which one is best. And then they dynamically start serving that. So if you have an A and a B in very short order, you know, Google will get enough impressions or whatever you set your goal on to actually understand which one's doing best based on your goal, be it lead conversion or whatever. But what it doesn't tell you is why. So it'll mm-hmm. say, this ad works better than this ad, but when you start getting into like multivariate tests and all these different things, then it takes more active management, more creative sets. And then to your point, you do need a larger budget just to, well, you know, if you take a year, a year's worth of money, you could absolutely run any test, but you don't want to spend all of your money in two weeks. So there is, a, there is just by default a, uh, a budget concern uh, in that expectation. Like, yeah, we can test, but it's not just the cost of the advertising and the ad management. Also, there's just some hard labor involved in setting up the test, managing the test, watching the test, reporting on the test, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure we could spend you know hours and hours just talking about testing, but people would probably get super bored with that mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty yeah. quickly, especially our audience uh, probably not getting super deep into the technical weeds there. But maybe just from like a global perspective, you know, as you're running a lot of these ads, are you finding like, where are you driving them? Is there certain types of content or certain kinds of destinations that you're finding are like really resonating with, you know, the audiences right now? Yeah. So because budgets are limited, we tend to want lower funnel buyers. And for example, like search advertising, a customer is actually typing in and they're telling us where they want to live or how much or product type. So knowing that we're already appealing to a lower funnel person, we try to direct that person as deep into the site as possible. So rarely, if ever, we land someone on the homepage. If you're picturing, okay, we've got an Atlanta division with multiple communities, very rarely we'll land them on a division page. More likely than not, we try to drop that person on a plan page that appeals to their price point on top of their geo. So we try to get them as far into the site as possible. And then from a campaign perspective, let's just say we're doing a Christmas campaign and driving people to a campaign page. It's traditional lead conversion stuff where you you wanna have a lead capture form, you wanna have it above the fold. So drive people as deep as possible into the site uh, from their first click. And then also just basic, you know, have a form on every page that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of people that are caught up in driving to the homepage, like you said, you know, and the the more hyper-specific you can get, the better. And with sure. with digital, like you have you have that data, like you said, you can you know a lot about this person. So why just 
punt them onto the, you know, the homepage and have mm-hmm. them fish for something. So yeah. no, that's awesome. Let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, I know you're doing some things with kind of video and virtual reality and self-guided mm-hmm. tours, I guess, especially this year, I think some of those are kind of being, the awareness is being raised on those and like how important those are. But I guess let's, uh, let's pick off one of them, you know, kind of the self-guided tours. I saw you had a, a few things on your site and some things that you guys are doing there. How, how are you seeing those being utilized and, and in kind of what capacity there? Yeah, so we developed this product. It's kind of akin to a museum tour on your cell phone. And it has a lot of use cases beyond just, you know, it originated with COVID where sales centers were closed or had limited by appointment sorts of situations, coupled with, you know, the business need of still needing to get customers out. And then sometimes customers also weren't comfortable having a salesperson with them just from exposure. And then when we looked just historically, there are customers who walk into a sales center that uh, don't want to be accompanied by a, a rep anyway. So our self-guided tour, is, it's a web app. So it's super easy. To, you don't need to download any app or anything. You just go to a URL, which you can access through a QR code or you know just type it in verbatim. So when you're walking into that house by yourself, you're not just left to your own devices. You know, you can walk in and get a feel real quickly if the floor plan meets your needs. But when a salesperson is with you, they can talk about the intentionality of the lay of the floor plan. You know how the light from the windows was strategic. You know how separating the master from the guest room was strategic, and how you could feel about living there. So the self-guided tour takes content that's available for a specific plan, be it photography, Matterports written content. We could do embed voice recordings. So when that customer's in the house, they can get what we consider as best of a lead experience as possible without a salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. I would imagine there's probably a number of use cases there. I'm curious too about stuff like this. Like how easy is that to create, you know, Mm -hmm. for a builder that where they're going, okay, like I have to record, like basically dummy record, like I'm walking somebody through or, you know, like, what does that process look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of those things is certainly we can embed any sort of content that we're provided with, or we could produce it. So if you want to do voice recordings, we can help facilitate that, but that's a huge barrier to entry. As we found the other barrier is, okay, it makes sense to create one of these, but I've got, you know, just in one model park, I have six models. So how do I create six of them? And how we envision it as a microsite. So once we develop the template for the microsite, it makes it very easy to feed in dynamically the content, images, Matterports, written word, right into there. So we can replicate these mobile microsites extremely quickly at scale. And the other cool thing I forgot to mention was one of the more important pieces of it is since a customer is not with the salesperson, the sales team can't get real-time feedback. Salesperson normally ask them, what do you think about this kitchen? So we've included an array of different survey types of rating scales and such that uh, the users prompted with, for example, like, how many stars would you give this kitchen? What do you think about it? And then that data is captured, sent to the salesperson. But to your point, producing additional content, you run up against the same thing that most companies have is you got to build the content. But if the content's already there, we provide a nice template that we can dynamically populate. Yeah, I think that's a huge barrier for most people like, oh, I got to shoot this video or I got to record mm-hmm. this or create this mm-hmm. documentation. And 
I don't know. My message always is like, just start doing it because this stuff isn't going away. Like there's just more and more use cases for how to utilize content that you've already mm-hmm. created and, and scale it out. Right. To your point, like now you don't necessarily need a salesperson in there. Maybe you want somebody, but if the customer is a little more comfortable, you know, I feel like, I guess I'm curious, have you heard any feedback from people that are using the self-guided tours? Because it, I don't know. It seems like consumers like to do all their own stuff these days. Like I'll always go to the self-checkout if I can, you know, and stuff like that. Like, are people liking it or are they saying like, oh, I needed to ask these questions and there's nobody here to, to talk to? So really the biggest feedback is it to a degree replaces some of the work that a salesperson would need to do. So there is some pushback from the sales organizations. Even though financially you're taking care of a customer, meeting them on their own terms, offering them self-checkout if they want it. So customer experience satisfaction is higher. You maybe don't have to use as many salespeople. Like the salesperson doesn't need to occupy their time with someone who's just looking for the first time. You get more intelligence from the self-guided tour that goes right into a CRM satisfaction, dwell time. And like, how long did they spend in the kitchen? Did they engage with this content? So huge value proposition, but honestly, it's the, the, uh, the feedback is the adoption from sales is challenging. The more time I spend in the marketing business, the more I realize that marketing isn't just about your website, signage, social media, and print collateral. Marketing really sits across every part of your business. It starts with your brand, your signs, your website, but it continues on through the sales process. How you present yourself and your company on a sales call incorporates marketing. And just as importantly, how you deliver your service to your client is marketing. The feelings that they have in the middle and the end of the project are big factors in determining whether they will spread the word about you. At the end of the day, marketing across the entire customer lifecycle is really tough. That's why I love what BuildBook is up to. They've been working hard to bridge those gaps and solve those problems. Their new tools start on the marketing side, continue into the sales conversation, and finish with the project. Get these three elements working together and your business will be humming along. Happy clients, more profits, less stress. If you're aiming for the trifecta of the construction business, head on over to buildbook.co to try it free for yourself. That's buildbook.co. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, and there's always kind of that been that kind of tug of war between marketing and sales, you know, over the years. And, uh, but I feel like part of it too, is just some of this technology, like you said, it's, it's putting the customer in a better spot or a more comfortable spot Mm -hmm. or it's, and that's kind of the, what, what we've been talking about here at Builder Funnel is like, Hey, today with your marketing process, like all you're trying to do is just match and mirror the way people like to shop and buy. And people Mm kind of like to do stuff on their own terms and get really far in the sales process before they actually have to talk to somebody. And so it seems like things like this enable that person to to do that. And to your point too, like I can imagine all the data you're capturing, like you said, dwell time and Mm -hmm. like, oh, I was in this room. I give this kitchen a four out of five. Like, a sales rep isn't capturing that data. And if they are, they're not putting in a CRM. Let's be honest. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the other, you, you, know, you mentioned uh, how your uh, builder funnel, how you're, you know, conceptually, it's like, well, let's talk about the customer experience. One thing, you know, early on, and it's still something we talk about a lot is 
our experiences as consumers, like we're used to experiencing a web experience like on Amazon, or when we walk into a retail store where our experience in a home builder, we have expectations, right? Mm -hmm. We have expectations based on how we interact with other brands. So what we've been trying to do for a long time is just say, why are we trying to recreate the wheel? Why should a home builder have, granted it's a high purchase value item and most expensive thing most people ever buy, understood that, but why would they have any different experience, particularly in digital? You know, it's easy to use. You find what you're looking for very quickly. There's no barriers. There's fewer clicks. All those same sort of things should apply. There's there's videos, there's customer reviews, there's photography, you know, very articulate descriptions. So we, we try to move, we've been trying to move clients there. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point, you know, because like we talk about it, you know, we're in an Amazon world, you know, where we're used to, you know, just that experience, which represents like choice and speed and you know all those different things and so people just start wanting that everywhere you know Mm -hmm. not just with amazon and so yeah i think that's a really good point you make is like how do we start to bridge that gap between what that experience looks like and what it could look like i imagine too that's maybe where some of the like virtual reality stuff comes in too because if somebody can't actually be there you know in Mm -hmm. person what are you guys seeing in kind of that that world. Yeah, I guess the first thing is it, it is encouraging and remarkable is just part of the builder ecosystem, how quickly the industry spooled up to be able to do, I'll just call it virtual sales, like figured out Zoom and Microsoft Teams and GoToMeeting. And then what we saw really quickly is everyone got on board, very, like there was parity. It's like, okay, we've, we've arrived. We can like do virtual meetings. Sweet. Yes. Uh, all right, we've got like other assets like videos and Matterports. We can like share a screen and go through that. What we saw was, okay, well, that that's great. But what are some of the things that aren't being accomplished? Well, not all salespeople like using technology. Okay, so that's a barrier. When they are on a, a video and they're sharing a screen and a customer says, hey, let me check out plan A, then the salesperson needs to go to plan A, navigate around the website, and then heaven forbid the customer says, let me interact with that floor plan or let me go to plan B or let me check this other thing. Now you've got the salesperson navigating a website. So you have two problems. One is the salespeople, and this is not meant to be offensive, don't really aren't web experts. They don't know how to navigate. The second thing is all websites aren't built super easy to use. So now the customer experience of when I'm trying to give you a professional presentation for a very expensive product, it doesn't go very well. Mm-hmm. So instead of creating new video technology or creating more assets, where we have approached this is creating a solution that makes that, that experience, the delivery of that information more seamless. We call it our, our virtual concierge. And what it enables is a salesperson to deliver all of their information significantly quicker, significantly more professional, and makes it really easy to move between communities, plans, specs, all from a single admin panel. So, and very easy, very intuitive to use. So when you're talking to a customer, there's no downtime, there's no lag, there's no clicking the wrong thing. There's no, here's a great example of, you're looking at plan A and the customer says, do you have anything ready for that? Do you have a move-in ready for that? And some websites have it, some don't. 
uh, but you still have to go poke around for it right from the admin panel. We know, right. You'll be able to see right away. It's like, I have three inventory plan, a click here it is. So that that's how we've approached moving our company forward into the virtual space is more or less enabling existing virtual technology. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So where do you feel like the future of this is going? Like if we fast forward three, five, you know, 10 years, I don't know, pick your timeline, but what do you think the experience will look like with some of this different technology and the way consumers and salespeople interact? Like are people just going to be shopping online and buying kind of like, are we going to get to Amazon? Like one, one click and, you know, maybe it's not ready in two days, but, uh, you know, start the build. That's something uh, I think selling a house online is something we see a lot chasing and, you know, we're trying to help there. Again, it kind of comes down to this marketing sales, marketing sales, cultural challenge issue Mm -hmm. of it's going to be really hard in my opinion for a builder especially well, any size builder to just say, we're not going to have a model park. Yeah. And, and in my opinion, well, I think walking into a model home is it's very important. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I wouldn't go personally buy a house sight unseen. I, I know I've already heard of people who have particularly yeah, people in like, do it. It's crazy. Yeah. And they'll even waive like inspections and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it does happen. I think there's different rules for, New home builders versus townhome builders versus resale uh, home buyers. I think there's different use cases. But back to your initial question, I mean, we've already worked with wearing goggles and looking around and doing all that sort of thing. But the that experience is within a sales center. So, for example, we had a client who was building a you know thirty story luxury condo product. And it just wasn't built yet. So that the business model there is they pre-sell all that. So in order to do that, renderings were created and all that. So you could like pan and zoom with the goggles on and they sold it all out. Um, They would have sold it out without the VR technology. So I think there's a couple of things. One is there's got to be a culture change in order to take advantage of any of this technology. Two, uh, I think technology is becoming more readily available and easy to use. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's good. And then three, there needs to be a consumer shift to being okay with that. So I know a lot of the like augmented reality and those sorts of things are good. I see, like, I've been looking a lot at augmented reality from a, how do we do away with collateral? How do we do away with sales sheets and documents? And then also how do we make that material sticky? How I describe it is how do you make your material worth keeping on your coffee table versus throwing away? And I think something like augmented reality would be very beneficial there, but it gets back to your comment earlier about you still got to produce content. All it is, is more content. Yeah. So content is a, content's a huge thing. So the tech's already there in other, other uh, businesses, but I think the home building industry has a lot of organic challenges that it needs to overcome. Yeah. And it seems like probably, you know, to your point, just part of the culture shift is maybe salespeople adopting the content mindset mm-hmm. and saying, okay, how, like, how can I scale this conversation that I just had with this one prospect by recording something or creating a piece of content and then using the tech, but easier said than done, as we know, there's <laughs> a few barriers there. But Brian, you mentioned several like kind of different technology pieces today throughout our conversation. I guess for people listening, like if this is all kind of new to them or you're, you know, 
they haven't really thought a lot about this. What would be a couple of good first steps for people to start taking to get their feet wet, jump into some of the tech and and maybe it's a use case, maybe it's a certain type of tech. I don't know. But I think a lot of times there is that kind of like, mm, I don't know, like I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So what would be your like call to action for people to like get involved and, and start pushing down this road? Yeah, I, I really think they need to extract themselves from home building, creating technology and content just for home building is I'll just call it complicated. It's going to take a while, but go experience this and play with it for yourself in a different industry. Attend a virtual conference. Like that's a, an easy one. They're all happening all over the place. Just see what that consumer interactions like, see what it's like navigating around. And that I consider that low tech, like go experience what that looks like. Um, number two is start playing with physical technology like Oculus Rift and those sorts of things. And don't play games with it. Like there's all sorts of content out there that, you know, you can go swim with whales and do all these different things. Go just see what that feels like. So I would say go out and whether it's a small team or yourself, depending on your organization, just go experience it and just see what it feels like. And then, you know, again, depending on how your organization is structured, it's going to require uh, a combination of marketing and IT. Marketing yeah. and IT. Of course, sales needs to get in there, but from what we've seen, marketing and IT drive these sorts of discussions because marketing's got to produce the content. IT needs to work on acquiring the technology. That's really good advice. I feel like once you once you feel it for yourself, you go, oh, like that's the feeling I want my customers to have, you know? Yeah. So yeah, no, that's great. Well, Brian, I've got one last segment of the show, but before we get to that, if people want to learn more about your company and kind of what you're up to, like what's the best way to get connected with you or, or learn more? OCTperformance.com. That's our advertising agency. Then some of the automated products we're talking about, that's at automated.digital. And then of course, all the content and information can be found under Brian Barrett on LinkedIn. Cool. Cool. And we'll put some links um, in the show notes for everybody as well. But uh, Brian, we've got one final segment. We call this our fast five. So I'm just going to hit you with five rapid fire questions. Say whatever comes to mind. First question is what is your favorite business book and why? Good to great. It's got great stats. It always surprises me how, uh, watching why some businesses succeed and fail, particularly in the context of like, you know, 20 years from now, is Google going to be here? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a really good one. Um, I feel like that's a, a book that stood the test of time and it's yeah, still super applicable. Yeah. Uh, next question is, who is the most inspirational person in your life? My mom. She wrote a paper geez, probably 30 or 40 years ago, which was analyzing how the government could use this thing called the internet. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's super fascinating. The context she has for today, I mean, there's been context for decades, aside from being like a great knowledge repository. I mean, you know, she encourages me to be entrepreneurial. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. man, definitely forward thinking. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. If you could have one superpower, what would that be? <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but being five places at once. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> we could all use that. Yeah. All right. Uh, describe yourself in three words. <laughs> Creative, analytical, and family hyphen oriented. 
Nice. Yeah. Snuck it in there. (laughs) Cool. All right. Final question is if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Digital advertising and marketing is the future. You can do small things like improve 1% per month and experience tremendous results. So get a good partner in the space, keep investing with it and don't rest on your laurels. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Good advice. Well, Brian, I appreciate you spending the time with me today. Yeah. Great to be here. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.